You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome once again to the Revision Path Podcast. This is episode 55. My name is Maurice Cherry, and I hope you had a really great Thanksgiving. I know I did. Now, before I get into this week's interview, I want to just talk about a couple of things as well as introduce our lovely sponsors, especially our brand new sponsor. Now, our audience survey closes at the end of the month, so head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash survey, fill that out, you'll be entered to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. Now, I really need your feedback and input to provide more awesome content as well as some new offerings, but I really won't know what to put together and create without your help. Again, you can fill out that survey at revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Revision Path is brought to you by three amazing companies, MailChimp, Hover, and our new sponsor, Creative Market. Now, the holidays are in full swing, and trust me, sending out emails to your clients is the last thing you want to do. That's why you need MailChimp. Design your email using one of their handy templates, drop in your content, schedule it, you're good to go. MailChimp even does this kind of smart scheduling where it will send out your message at the time that your list will be the most engaged. That's really handy. Uh, Get your free account today at MailChimp.com. Let me know what you think. When you're looking for the best place to register a domain name, you ask the people who know a lot about domains, and that's Hover. The new year is coming up, and I bet you've got a great idea for a side project or a business. Go to Hover.com, search for your domain, and use our promo code NIA, that's N-I-A, and save 10% off your purchase. Hover domains also come with free private registration, and you can even set up your own custom email address with Hover using your new domain. That's really super handy. Hover.com, they've got you covered. And there's our new sponsor, Creative Market. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more, starting at only $2. They give away a great selection of free goods every Monday, and they're going to do this really big charity bundle this month. And it's going to have stuff from a ton of notable design brands like Dribble, Media Temple, Envision, Moose, Skillshare, and a whole lot more. In the meantime, head over to creativemarket.com, sign up for a free account, or you can set up your own shop and start selling your own goods. I think you'll really enjoy it. By the way, did you get in on that Creative Market discount code that we had last month? What about the one plus one giveaway that we did a few days ago? If you're not on our email list, then you completely missed out on all of that. Head over to revisionpath.com and sign up so you don't miss our next giveaway. So now that we've paid a few bills around here, let's get on with this week's interview. When I talked with entrepreneur and author Alan Cole about design trends, here's what he had to say. But for me, it's just always kind of weird when I see the same design sensibility on every single site. Like I like when somebody you know, approaches it you know, as, as its own thing and where it's not just borrowing from the same sources that everybody else is borrowing from. Like you're actually doing research and you're finding a way to, to produce something that's more unique than, than just the, the trends that are out there. Because there's always going to be a trend. There's always going to be some site that maybe breaks the mold and then every, every other site copies it. This is Revision Path. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Alan Cole, and I am an entrepreneur specializing in web design, graphic design, and a little bit of music stuff as well. I want to talk about the music. I, well, I want to get to that a little bit later. Let's talk about your, your design and your tech uh, work that you're doing now. Tell me how you got started. Where, where did you sort of get the idea or the, the notion to want to start going into design? I actually kind of stumbled into it. Kind of started out in art. 
like growing up as a kid, from even before I could remember, um, I had just always been into, you know, drawing and painting and that type of thing. I mean, all through, you know, middle school through high school, it's just something that I just did regularly every single day. No real purpose, didn't really know, you know, have a plan or necessarily going into a career with it. But it was just something that I did for fun. It, it kind of, you know, distracted me from the schoolwork and, and paying attention to class sometimes. But it was just something that I loved to do. And so, you know, when you know, college came around, came time to figure out what school I wanted to go to and that type of thing. And, you know, by that point, the, the art thing, it, you know, gotten really became something that was really important to me. And so, you know, I ended up going to Cooper Union here in New York. And uh, when I got there, like I said, I brought a lot of a pretty big background in art. You know what I mean? When I when I got to the school. But when I got there, you're kind of in critiques and, you know, kind of in just the, the you're kind of thrown into like this bigger, more interesting type of uh, art world that I just wasn't as familiar with. Like I, you know, again, like, I love to, to make the work and love to, you know, to, to make art. But it just when I got into the school, it, it just kind of I lost a little bit of interest in just the fine art itself. And so one of the first classes that I had was uh, with this professor who was a, a designer. And at, before that time, like I had no clue that design was a thing that you could do as a career. I'm like, you know, in the past, even in like high school, I'd done little you know, funny logos and stuff like that, just playing around that I would just draw a pencil and pad and that type of thing. But I never knew that, you know, like, you know, everything that you look at most of the time, is if, if it's a product or an advertisement or something, it has some type of graphic design attached to it. And so just kind of being in, the, in this class, it just kind of opened a whole new world to me where I could make, I could still be creative, I could still be making art to a certain extent, but the stuff that I would be making would, you know, show up in a lot of different, or could have the potential to show up in a lot of different places where, you know, I could do a poster that, you know, is shown up on the subway or, you know, I could design a shoe that somebody might wear one day. And so that was just like an entirely different way of, of thinking. Before that, I, I, did, I wasn't aware of. And from there, I just kind of uh, really dove all the way into it. I still kept up with some of the, the drawing and, and that type of stuff in school, but the design thing just, just really came to the forefront. And so I would say that's around when it, when it started for me. So you say at Cooper Union, you sort of learn more of the, the fine art, mm -hmm. as you said, but you lost an interest in it. Was it like a really strict academic environment or, or how was it? Uh, it was interesting. So that was one of the things that to me at least makes the school really, really interesting. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with it too much, but, but that school, it's, it's kind of a, there isn't really a, a main course description for you when you come there. Like there, there isn't really a major per se. There's, you come in ready to do what you want to do and you kind of choose your courses based on that. And so uh, when I got there, you know, the, I was expecting it to be a little bit more strict. And so in some of the, the art courses and some of the, you know, the painting and drawing classes and stuff that I was in, there's structured like around critiques. And so, you know, you may spend, you know, two weeks, a month, however long on a, on a particular project. And at the end of that period, everybody presents their work and all of the, you know, your classmates and the professors go through and we all, you know, talk about the pieces that everybody's talking about uh, or every, that, uh, the pieces that everybody made, you know, in that two week or whatever month, um, however long we were, however much time we were given to make the pieces. And so it was just, it was interesting. It was something that, you know, in, in high school we did a little bit, but just on a college level, it just, it just wasn't as interesting to me. Like I found, I, again, I, you know, I love what I, what I do. And so I, you know, I spent a ton of time, you know, doing these elaborate drawings and doing a lot of different explorations. And so, when it came time to show stuff, I had a lot of stuff to, to, to present, but then there'd be other, other students who were in the class and they might've, you know, they'll come in with just their one piece with one little two or three strokes of paint on the, on the, on the wall. And they had this, I just found that a lot of those pieces were for me, I, they didn't necessarily speak to me. I found in the classes and these critiques, those were the ones that generated the most conversations. And so it was kind of hard for me to really swim in that, in that pool, I guess, 
you know, I didn't, none of the, the not, not to say none of it, but it's not, a lot of it just didn't really speak to me. But I found that a lot of the, the responses that were coming from a lot, the students and the professors were coming from that type of work. And it just wasn't the type of work that I was into and that I was really, you know, didn't make me curious about it. It wasn't something that I really wanted to pursue. But at the same time, I was introduced to this new design stuff, which, you know, at the time, which is really, it was new, you know what I mean? It was something that I hadn't done before. There was, you know, a lot of technical things about it that, you know, I hadn't, that didn't know between, you know, using Illustrator and Photoshop and all these type of skill sets that at the time I had a little bit of experience with, but I was really curious about it. And so it just kind of shifted into, you know, from the art world going into, into more design. So once you left Cooper Union, did you just start out on your own then, or did you work somewhere else and then decide to start your own business? So, yeah, so when I, when I finished, well, actually, even while I was working there, um, like towards the, maybe, maybe I would say like sophomore, not sophomore, uh, junior and senior years, like I had kind of just fell into, you know, doing some, some web stuff, mostly for myself. Like I was, also around this time, I had started doing, you know, doing more music stuff. And so this was, you know, maybe around like 2003, 2002. And one of the classes, you know, we were instructed to to build a website. And so, you know, after doing that, I was like, okay, cool. This wasn't too hard. I knew friends and stuff that either through, mostly through music, you know, who needed help with websites as well, who wanted to, you know, put their stuff out online. And so while I was in school to just kind of help keep bills paid and eat <laughs> that college budget, I took a few little small, super small freelance projects while I was in school. And soon after, you know, like after graduating, I was still doing the same thing where, you know, I was, I was, you know, just kind of taking projects either through friends or through word of mouth. And then just kind of, you know, doing that mostly on the side. Like when I first got out, I actually was, you know, on the hunt for a job. I wanted to, you know, do something in the design field and, you know, took a few interviews, landed a few, you know, freelance projects that would eventually turn into full-time jobs if that's where they went. But uh, none of them really stuck. Like there was a, uh, I remember there was a one project that I had where taking this freelance project that was an on-site job that was basically after a month or so was supposed to turn into a full-time job. And at the same time, another freelance project that came through a friend of mine was another design project, but it was an entirely different field that I was much more interested in. It was in like the, it was actually a project for Echo at the time. And I was much more interested in it. It paid better than, you know, like the hourly stuff that I was doing at this freelance firm. And it just made more sense, at least at that time, for me to, to, to pursue this thing that I was actually interested in, you know, based off of, you know, the first off the client and then also obviously the money. But it just seemed like a little more of a fun type of job that I, that, that I would enjoy. And so while I wasn't long term at all, I just decided to, to take that, that risk and go with this project that I was a little bit more interested in. And then from there, it, would just, it just kind of snowballed where, you know, once I started to do more and more freelance projects with various clients like good experience after good experience, just through mostly through word of mouth, I just ended up, you know, gaining more and more clients and more and more projects. And it just kind of uh, turned into to what I'm doing now. <laughs> and now uh, you've worked with some pretty big clients. Now, can you tell us some of the, the clients that you've worked oh, with? Oh, man. Yeah. Every, everywhere from Nike to I've done a lot of stuff with uh, OK Player, which is the uh, Questlove's website that he, he's had for a number of years. I've done a ton of, ton of work with them. Done some stuff with Jay Electronica, Kanye West. Who else? Janelle Monet and her kind of house of creatives called Wonderland. They have like a, a whole little studio in Atlanta. And I did a ton of work with them. I know I'm forgetting a bunch, but um, yeah, it, it spans quite a few industries and different types of clients. But yeah, it's, it's always fun. <laughs> I always try to, try to you know, go, with, go with folks who I'm interested in, in working with you know, on creative level and just as a, you know, on a business level as well. Did you get to meet Kanye? No, I didn't get to meet him yet. No, <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah, no, that one. Yeah, that was an interesting one. But uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to meet him. <laughs> so one of the clients that you didn't mention, but this is, I guess, sort of a, a recent thing is that you did some work with 
Koi Vin on the latest iteration of his website, Subtraction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, Koi is Koi is a really good friend of mine. We've worked together on a number of different projects just over the years. Um and even just how that one happened was 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 interesting. So uh, a lot of the, the web stuff I do is, is built around WordPress. And a few years ago, I had gotten into uh, developing WordPress themes for distribution, mostly for free in the beginning. And then eventually it's kind of turned into its own business. But in the beginning, there was a guy that I, I learned a lot about WordPress from. And, you know, we just would exchange from time to time over email. This, this guy is based in, in Canada and he doesn't I'm not sure if he's still tied to WordPress anymore, but Koi actually had reached out to him looking for someone to help with developing a WordPress theme that was built Mm -hmm. off of his site. Koi, you know, has had his blog for probably about 15 years now, maybe even longer than that. And it's always, you know, been really, really well designed. And and a lot of people have, you know, what asked him and emailed him about borrowing design and the layout for their own websites. And, you know, obviously he would always say no. But, you know, obviously after enough, you know, people are asking about it, it kind of makes sense to maybe, you know, develop a product to fill that demand. And so after we got in touch, uh, we, you know, we sat down and talked about a few ideas and, you know, how we could use WordPress, which at the time he wasn't even using WordPress. He was using, I think, Expression Engine or some other platform for his personal blog. But, you know, at the time WordPress was, and even now, WordPress is you know, really, really big. And so it made sense to to work on a WordPress theme. And uh, we have, you know, fun, fun working together. Um, he's really... Uh, really smart, really meticulous about, you know, like from pixel to pixel, like about font sizes and everything. And I'm the same way when it comes to just, just making sure that everything is is tight and neat and, and working the way you expect it to. And so, yeah, this last iteration, which was the uh, the subtraction.com site, we built, again, he was coming from Expression Engine. After working on that WordPress theme, you know, he really liked the platform and wanted to switch over. And so we worked on something custom for him and he uh, led the design part of it. And then I uh, come in and, and work out, you know, some of the lighter back end stuff with WordPress and, and, you know, figured out a few ways and to do some rather cool things with WordPress out of the box. And so, um, yeah, it's always, you know, fun, fun working with, with Koi. Um, it's a cool project for sure. Who was the guy in Canada that you were talking about? His name is beyond me right now. He has a... The theme that he's most known for is called uh, thematic. His name is just, just I, oh, oh God! I think I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't. haven't uh, I can't recall his name, yeah. but I know who you're talking about. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I haven't I, haven't spoken to him in a while, or you know, emailed him. I think it's but, uh, De- no, it's not Derek. Derek's in Seattle. It's not Brian. Brian. No, I, I know who it is. Yeah, I yeah. I just name. it's just beyond me right now. But yeah, he's he's a really nice guy, and um, his work with thematic was just always really interesting to me. Like that was kind of how I got into learning how to, you know, build themes from scratch was just based off of the work that he did with that initial thematic theme that he had. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, how we got connected. Nice. Yep. So the WordPress themes, you've created, like you said, some really popular WordPress themes, autofocus, high art, Nudica. What is your theme design process like? Like, where do you start from when you're, you're building a new theme? It usually comes from, actually, no, it, can come from different places. Like there's, there's sometimes where I know for, for, for autofocus, for instance, like at the time when, when I did that one, there just wasn't really that, there, there weren't really that many photo blogs really out there like that. Like there were maybe one or two as far as like uh, WordPress themes were concerned. And for me, it was just kind of a challenge. Like I noticed that there was this, this thing that you could pull off with WordPress where, you know, you could use the attachments in a different way to, to have them displayed where it makes it, you know, a little bit easier for people to produce a site you know, that, that's, that's driven with photography without having to do a bunch of extra work. And so once mm-hmm. I figured out this little trick, I was like, oh, this would make a cool WordPress theme. And so, you know, I, I just kind of based it off of something that me, as at least at the time, I was pretty big into photography. 
And I was like, let me design something that I would use myself. You know what I mean? And let's see how it goes. And then I'll just put it up and submit it to the WordPress repository and, and see what happens and see, see how it goes. And so after doing that, I, you know, maybe uploaded it. And then maybe about six or seven months, I went back and checked it. And there was like a good 100,000 downloads or so on this one particular theme. I had no idea <laughs> at the time that that's, you know, that would have had that, that type of impact. But initially, it was just kind of a thing where, you know, I noticed that I could do this, this little trick with, with the way that the attachments were, had with, were handled with WordPress. And it just kind of, kind of sparked the idea to do this, this kind of photography-driven design. And so that's how that one came about. Another one, uh, the Nudica theme, was just built off of this designer, Joseph Mueller Brockman, I believe is how you pronounce his name, who's just known for super heavy grid alignment templates and, and, and layouts. And so uh, most of his work is print, but I, you know, I was drawn to it, uh, you know, as soon as I saw it. And, you know, I just, for me, I just, I wanted to kind of try to, you know, make a WordPress theme that would kind of hint at some of his design sensibilities, mm-hmm. but just kind of convert it into a format that, you know, somebody could use this, the theme itself for, for a blog where, you know, you're just kind of, you know, publishing regular content. And so that was really the, the thinking behind that when I was mostly just inspired by this, this other designer's work I and mean, wanted to do something that, you know, was reflective of that. They all actually, just speaking about it now, they actually have all come from different places. <laughs> the, the high art theme, that one was actually a spinoff of the work that I did with, uh, with, with Kanye that didn't get chosen. And so I really liked how it came out. And so I was like, let me at least, you know, see if I can take with, you know, the work and transform it into something that where I can still gain some type of benefit from it. And so that's how that one came about. Yeah, they're actually all, all have come from different, different places. How <laughs> I think about it. So you started building these themes and really started getting a lot of downloads and things for it. And is it from there that you decided to write a book? How did the book process um, come along? So that kind of happened kind of randomly. I did a few WordPress conferences, one here in New York and then one in San Francisco. And right shortly after the San Francisco conference, I just got an email from, you know, some of the guys at, at, at SitePoint, you know, asking about, you know, if I wanted to contribute to this book that they were working on. And I don't know exactly how they were aware, or, you know, got in touch with me. But if I had to guess, it was probably at that San Francisco WordPress conference. I think that that's how they initially, you know, found out about my work and, and decided to reach out. But yeah, I think they think I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. What was the process of writing the book? I mean, because I've, I've read the book. I think I mentioned before we started recording how much the book has helped me with WordPress. What was your process like when you were going through and putting the book together? So with that one, they so the, the editor for that book basically you know had a, a vision for basically tackling a number of different things from scratch. This is your first time ever using WordPress to you know, here's how you get to the end of, you know, producing a product and distributing it and getting it out to the world. And so um, he had a number of different bullet points that he wanted to, you know, cover in, in the book as a whole. And so he reached out to me for the, you know, to, to help out with the, the child theming and the other chapter that I worked on. <laughs> uh, it was a few years ago when I, when I put that together. But um, it basically came down to, uh, at least for me, as far as putting it all together, was trying to explain a concept from the point of view of not knowing anything, right? And so that's always kind of a thing that I, I want to say it's, I don't know if it was Einstein or what thinker it was that, that said this, but regardless of what you're trying to explain or, you know, or how smart you are, really, or rather is, is a better way to describe it. If you can't explain a concept to somebody, then you don't know it well enough, right? And so that was kind of my approach as far as how I, was, how I decided to, to put together the, you know, the, the various chapters in there. And so I wanted to, to approach it from the standpoint of like, uh, this is somebody who may know a little bit about WordPress, but 
Um, it's just interested in, in figuring out how to get better at it. You know what I mean? And then here's some tools that'll help them get there with it. I mean, between, you know, some of the original or the initial, um, not sketches, uh, but just, you know, some of the, the rough writing that I did in the beginning, uh, we worked with, you know, with the editor to kind of, you know, tighten it in and, and kind of have it so that it plays in with, with some of the other chapters, which were, because uh, there were a few other contributors that were on, all on that one book, but uh, he helped to kind of like tie it all in together. But yeah, the, for me, the, the, the main goal was just trying to, you know, make sure that this thing that can definitely be complex, at least feels a little more, tangible and something that, you know, somebody who's, you know, new or just trying to get into it and get better, uh, something that they can pick up on and, and, and figure out. Do you think you'll come out with more books about WordPress or maybe about design in the future? Yeah, I think, well, actually, I, I don't know necessarily about design, but definitely some of the, the, the code stuff. Just in the last couple of years, I've, I've kind of, you know, slowed with some of the some of the design stuff, but I've definitely picked up uh, with the with the web development. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely have Actually, I've spoken with, with SitePoint uh, fairly recently about doing a few articles with them, just on, either on their site or even, even a few, um, they do, what do you call those things, uh, like screencasts where you, you, know, you sit down and you... Uh, oh, yeah, you know, they have uh, learnable yeah, courses. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I was thinking about doing a few of those as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that's, that, that might be something I'm probably going to do a little bit more as the years go on is, is get back into, or not back into, but get into you know, teaching and, and showing people how a lot of this this stuff that seems complex and scary at first, you know, how to get get into it and and figure it out and break it down so it's not as scary, you know, and so that you know, because really at the end of the day, I feel like most people can figure figure this out and, and learn it and take it on as a skill. I feel like that's kind of the thing that a lot of of designers and even some developers are starting to do now is come out with some type of course or some type of information product offering mm-hmm. for people. Like I swear I can't open up my inbox without a new one. Mm-hmm. From someone that's selling like a thirty-nine dollar ebook, or yeah. you know, a two hundred dollar a month course, or something like that. That seems to be the the thing with that. And there's even the the companies like uh, Learnable. Mm-hmm. I know Skillshare is also yep. fervently looking for instructors to teach courses and things. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the education part is something that is really important right now in the industry. Yeah. So you've worked with WordPress a lot over the years. You've worked with it a lot. Is there like a particular trend or something with WordPress that you see that you just hate, <laughs> that you just wish people would just stop doing? Not necessarily. Well, I wish that there was more variety. I do see a trend in trends, I guess, if that, if you could, if that could be said. <laughs> I do notice that as of late, a lot of the, the WordPress themes that I, I see that are out there all kind of borrow from whatever the latest, greatest things that, you know, Google or Apple might be doing with their sites. Or are there even more popular like other websites that have certain design sensibilities? And I see a lot of it kind of being borrowed and kind of injected into a lot of different themes that ultimately, at the end of the day, look like they all do the same exact thing. And so that, that's one thing that, that is a little, little gripe of mine. You know, obviously to each their own. But for me, it's just always kind of weird when I see the same design sensibility on every single site. Like I like when somebody you know, approaches it you know, as, as its own thing. And where it's not just borrowing from the same sources that everybody else is borrowing from. Like you're actually doing research and you're finding a way to, to produce something that's more unique than, than just the, the trends that are out there. Because there's always going to be a trend. There's always going to be some site that maybe breaks the mold and then every, every other site copies it. And so I, I'd like to see more of, or less of that happening, I guess, is a way to put it. Now, you've really sort of had a way of, of paving your own road in terms of you know, your career and the work that you're doing. Uh, have you had any mentors that have helped you out along the way that have given you some good advice? 
I'll definitely say say Coy has has become a mentor of mine for sure. Um, he's he's helped me with with a lot of a lot of different things. Obviously, a lot you know with with learning how to produce products and really fine tune and, and and make things work in a way where you know when people get them they're as error free as possible and that they get a good experience when they get that product. And he also helps out with our little smaller like you know business things from time to time, dealing with clients and this and, and those types of things. Um, yeah, he helps out quite a bit with that type of stuff. What would you say is probably the most important thing that you've learned from the work that you do? Oh, the most important thing. Well, I will say that the the interesting thing with dealing with code is I find a lot of parallels in how you can put together code or I guess the parallels in, in, in that I see in real world situations where with code, obviously, it just breaks down to, you know, at the end of the day, it's zeros and ones. But based off of a lot of work that a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds from all over the world, a lot of that work has all kind of accumulated and, and turned into this thing that allows, you know, somebody like myself who has an, an artistic background to come in and, you know, pick up how to build a site and how to use code to produce various things. And so I think that that, that parallel and, and how, you know, people can ultimately work together, whether they're getting the credit for it, sometimes they aren't, how that people working together can can turn into really amazing things. But I also feel like the, the, the openness of code in general is another thing that's, that's really, really awesome that I wish existed in more spaces where, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who, you know, understand this stuff on, on various levels, but it's always like a really good thing to contribute some things back. Like you may have just figured out, you know, how to do some basic menu drop down code or whatever, something, something simple like that. But just to give that code out and help somebody else by having, by giving them access to that code, um, just makes everything better. It allows everybody to kind of build off of the things that are, are the best based off of various people trying them out, you know, figuring out which things work the best for folks. And so just, just seeing how that kind of parallels, or at least I wish that that, that would parallel some of the other things that, that are going on in the, in the real world sometimes, you know? What keeps you motivated? Like what, what keeps you inspired to do the work that you do? What keeps me inspired is, is a number of different things. A lot of it comes down to, to my family. I look really looking forward to, to seeing them this Thanksgiving coming around in a, in a few days, but just kind of being around them and I don't know. It, it kind of gives me energy and it gives me life to kind of keep things going and turn this into, you know, what I you know, ultimately wanted to be. I get the same same response from, you know, the, the, the really good friends that I have. They kind of push me to, to, to challenge myself to, to do more than just more than, than than where I would typically just kind of limit myself. Like anytime there's, you know, there's doubts or there's things that you kind of lose a little confidence in yourself sometimes and just having those folks around you can just at least boost me to or inspires me to, to continue to push and do the best work that I possibly can. Is your family there in New York too? No, they're um they're based in Maryland, right outside of DC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I see them a few few times a year. But yeah, it's just always just fun to just kind of be around that that energy. So yeah. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about sort of what you're doing right now. I know we've talked about your past and how you've gotten to this point. What is kind of the tech and design scene like for you in New York City? It's an interesting one because I feel like they, uh, like, well, obviously, you know, a lot of my work is very tech based. I don't do a lot of work really in that field per se. I, I usually, a lot of like, like, based off of the, you know, some of the clients and stuff that I've had, like a lot of it. It's tied to music just because I have, you know, a, a really big interest in it. And so while, you know, I have this curiosity about, you know, learning code and, and getting better at using code to, to, you know, to produce products and, and various tools and things like that. It's a weird thing where I still kind of 
am drawn to this this other side of things for me where the the music is just kind of something that's ingrained in me and so while I, you know while I have a, a you know a lot of experience with the code and stuff like that I find myself using it mostly in spaces where it's lacking and so for me like a lot of the especially with the music clients and and a few other genres and, and that that I work in it just isn't the thing that's in the forefront you know what I mean and so it's it's always kind of nice to kind of bring in you know my knowledge of, of this tech thing and, and and make it you know useful for field or genre that that isn't necessarily as uh aware of it and uh, of all of the technology that's there and, and what you can actually pull off you know with with the tech stuff that that i have going on and so um it's a little interesting in that like i don't really i'm not, definitely not in the uh what do they call it the uh silicone alley that they have here which is i guess dumbo <laughs> <laughs> in, in brooklyn yeah i go down there and i, I work you know from that area from time to time but I'm not as into the culture that's there as much as uh, you might expect based off of the work that I do. I guess I just kind of find myself around more more artsy music head types. <laughs> and so it just kind of, you know, the, the work plays out in that way. So let's talk about the music. I know we've, we've kind of been putting that off a little bit, but tell me about your music. Tell me about the group that you have, which I'm a huge fan of, by the oh, way. Oh, man, yeah, thank you. I've been making music for maybe a good... 13 or 14 years. I started when I first moved to New York and I haven't stopped yet. <laughs> it's just something that I really love to do. And so as of late, the last you know few years, um, I've been working with a, a really good friend of mine, this guy, uh, Darian, who's currently based in Portland, but we started work on this, on this project here in Brooklyn called the Stuyvesants. And it's uh, essentially just a, an instrumental project where we initially were just trying to capture the sound of Brooklyn, which sounds a little vague, but just living here and, and, and kind of like growing into, you know, the person that I am now here, just the city just has an interesting feel to it. And it was just something that, you know, just kind of hanging around. And so the other guy that I work with is, is a really big record collector. And so just kind of being around him and, and, and him playing various sounds and stuff that I, you know, at the time had never heard before and being inspired by that uh, just kind of drove us into to making something that, you know, was reflective of the zone that we were in um, when, we were, when we first started working on it. And so it's mostly just kind of a reflection of, you know, the, the sound of, of Brooklyn, at least in, in the earlier stages. Um, now it's kind of turn into it obviously we still hold on to that that's that's definitely the root of it but we try to push the boundaries of what we do with with music as far as not really trying to go for the the mainstream type of typical thing that you can hear on the radio and really just kind of kind of presenting something that will at least sound a little different you know i mean sound familiar as far as you know you'll hear it it'll it'll you know pique your interest but it'll have a different approach to music and so that that's what we're what we're mostly aiming towards with it it has like this this late 70s early 80s kind of sound that is i don't i don't know if i want to say like that's in right now but i feel like it's a it's a really timeless mm. sort of sound that is is amazing how many albums have you put out um we just did our fourth one in october it, it released in, in october and it's been doing really well but yeah we, we we kind of we're both old heads like we both of our parents were just like really big music heads like my father has a you know a ton of vinyl at home and I just just being a kid and you know growing up in that house like there was always music playing like all of the cookouts that we would go to that we would have at the house it was just always like really good music around and it's funny like you know you don't obviously you know that, that was my parents music and you know you don't realize that it's you know how it sinks in but coming back around now and you know just kind of going through some of this old stuff like even for myself like I go from time to time to different record shops and, and I'll pick up you know 
uh, records and stuff like that and going to f- and finding this music that been here for a long time. You know what I mean? Obviously, my parents were listening to it, but it's kind of interesting because when you, you know, when you're in those shops and you're hearing stuff that you're always kind of looking for that thing, that sound, that feeling from the records that is familiar, but it's new, you know? And so that's, that's kind of like what we, what we try to do with our music. And that's the thing that we that I respond to most mostly when you know when I'm looking for records and, and, and listening to stuff. And so yeah, that definitely you know plays out in, into our sound for sure. What kind of work do you plan on doing with it in the future? Is there ways that you can that you want to like integrate? I guess your design and your music because you I, I'm assuming you do the design for the covers and everything. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we definitely want to try to try to do some some vinyl next. Uh, like that's that's big on our to do list. That's just always kind of been like a bucket list item for me. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I just always wanted to have you know a piece of piece of my stuff on the wax, you know. And so that's that's probably the most immediate thing. But other than that, like we want to try to get into doing more uh, performance and and more like live stuff, as well as you know working with artists and actually producing songs. Like we've done a few songs here and there with other like recording artists and singers uh, and, and rappers and that type of thing. But we'd like to like to try to do a little bit more with it. But yeah, and then also too speaking to the design, yeah, we usually collaborate or work on the design ourselves. Like all of, all of the artwork is done by either myself or or Darian. He usually takes most of the. He's usually in the driver's seat on that one he's an art director and so that's kind of his more of his lane but i'll you know i'll contribute stuff as well and you know do some illustrations or some some type studies and that type of thing and um it just all kind of you know we're, we're just really good at working together we have a similar approach to to you know what we want to hear musically and what we want to see you know as far as the design and so it just kind of it just really works well like we have a really good uh you know, chemistry as far as that goes what would you say has been your biggest asset to success the biggest asset will be hmm <laughs> well, not to get too political, but so the, the school that I mentioned going to the uh, uh, Cooper Union, at that school, when you get accepted, they give you a $100,000 scholarship. So Whoa. when you go, you're, when you when you graduate, you don't have any student loans. And so you can literally, yeah, it's it's amazing. And the whole state, it's, yeah, again, I don't want to get too political, but there, it's some, some weird stuff going on with the school now where they're switching things around and they're starting to charge tuition and it's getting a little messy, but the school for over a hundred years has been running without having their students pay tuition. And it's been incredible. People, you know, tons of people have gone to the school and, and gone on to do amazing things. And while I say that, and the reason I say that that's a really important asset for me was that, you know, especially living in, you know, this crazy city up here where there's a tons of stuff going on and, you know, it's really expensive. A lot of people here, just not having that debt on my back allowed me to really experiment and really, you know, pursue things and learn things that, you know, had I had really jumped into a full time and, and, you know, had to chase paying back loans for a number of years, I don't think that I would have been as curious in as far as, you know, both musically and especially with the code and, and, and web stuff. Like, I just don't think I would have been able to really pursue it and be open and free to really, you know, kind of push the limits and figure things out on my own. And so I'd, I'd probably say that that's probably the biggest one. There's definitely other ones, but that one <laughs> it was a huge one. <laughs> yeah, I'd say if, if- I was able to graduate that hundred thousand dollars. That would help out <laughs> tremendously. Yeah, man. It's, I, I, yeah. But you say that they're not really doing that anymore. There's like some political stuff. Yeah, it's 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 gotten kind of messy. Like they, uh, yeah, it's 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 some issues with the board and and just kind of bad management over the years and just kind of it's just it's messy. It's, it's suffering from the uh, the same thing that the, the school system in general here in, in in America is suffering from, where it's kind of turning into more of a commodity than something that actually allows you to better yourself at the end of the day. And so it's, it gets a little scary. And that's another reason why I kind of want to, you know, get back into and do some teaching and, and kind of help. I do 
uh, this thing called uh, Girls Who Code. I go and, and speak to them. They have like a summer program here. And it's just like a group of, of girls that they have that are interested into and in, in getting into the tech field, on a, mostly on a college level. Actually, no, they're, they're in, in high school, but they're looking into getting into, you know, the tech field and, and, and that type of thing. And so I usually go and, and speak with them. I mean, every time it's always super fun and, and, and I have a good time. And, and, and the students are just, they're like sponges. Like they're, they're, you know, really curious about everything. And so I definitely want to try to, you know, turn things around in the little way that I can, at least for myself, and get back into doing some of that myself either through teaching or, or, you know, either courses or some type of thing like that. How long have you been doing that tutoring? Only the last two or three years. It's actually not tutoring. It's just more of just a speaking thing that I'll do when I'll come into the class and just do like a little hour-long talk. But there's other other things that I get into or that I'm trying to get into uh, as far as, you know, just kind of spreading the knowledge, you know what I mean? And, and you know, most of this stuff, is, especially with the code stuff, a lot of it is on the internet for free. It's just you have to know how to get to it and, and how to take the pieces that are valuable that'll work for what you're trying to do. And so I definitely want to try to spread some of that information out for sure. Where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? That's always an interesting question. I mean, usually because I am totally making up this whole thing as I go along. <laughs> I would say like, like, like I just mentioned, like the, the teaching thing is something that I think that I'm going to end up doing a little sooner than later. So that's something I definitely want to incorporate on some level. I don't know exactly what that'll look like just yet, but I do know that I want to, you know, continue doing, you know, web development, continue to do some of the music. And then also, uh, and I, I'm imagining I'll probably turn back around and get back into design as well. Like that's when I, I kind of put that down over the last few years, just kind of out of doing it for a long time and, and more or less basically just kind of getting tired of it and just needed to take a step away. But I imagine I'll get back into that as well. But I don't really see too much changing. I definitely want to continue to, you know, to work for myself and, and build on, you know, what I've already, you know, what I've accomplished, you know, thus far and, and, and see where it takes me. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I usually try to keep my my, my windows or, or my, my options open, I guess, in, in that regard. And so I don't have a, a really super solid five-year plan, but I do know that I love what I'm doing now and I want to continue to, to love what I'm doing. And so whatever that form that takes, I'm open to it. So, yeah. I would pay good money to see a course from you on either typography or logo design. Mm. I've looked at, at, I mean, like I said, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And I'll just look at some of the logos and the things you've done. It just makes me want to just <laughs> start over. It's <from> <laughs> like so you have like this really good eye for just the right fonts and just the right placement and size and everything that is, I, I love it. I'm, I, it's, it's really good. So I, if, if that's a, a, something that you're thinking about, if you would want to do a course, I would totally, I would sign up for that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thanks. Well, <laughs> it sounds like there's a demand <laughs> for it. So <laughs> I could definitely supply it. <laughs> no. What advice would you give to someone that's starting out in this field? I would say the biggest thing is to, is to utilize the internet, especially with the, with the tech stuff. There's just so much free information that's out there. It's I find myself even now, like you know, I I do a, you know a ton of professional work and have a you know do a lot of stuff with crazy deadlines and, and this that and the third. But I'm always finding myself online double checking the ideas that I have or the solutions that I'm coming up with, or seeing if there's better ones that are out there. Like there's just such a a vast amount of of information out there that. It's, it's probably the most vital thing, I would say, especially, especially on, the, on the tech end. It's just to, to be curious and to look into how did this person pull this off or how did this person do that? And usually you can find, you know, information on, on, on ways to pull that off. And I would say that, that's probably the biggest thing for sure. Well, just to wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you online? Yeah, so I have 
alancole.com uh, is probably the centerpiece. All of the links to everything else that I do is you know are housed there. But there's my client and uh, services based work is can be found at a, a featherweight.com, and that's featherweight without any consonants. I'll let you figure that one out, <laughs> or you can go to alancole.com, and then also the music can be found at thestuyvesants.com. And yeah, between those three sites, you should be able to get pretty much everything. Sounds good. Alan Cole, thank you so much for for coming on the show and for talking with me, just learning more about kind of the work that you've done and really just this this overall, I feel like, creative veracity that you have with, you know, between the music and the design and everything. I think it's just really good to hear from somebody that, like you said, has been able to really take what you do and make a living out of it and kind of keep that momentum going. It's really good to hear. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a a really good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it comes out. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks to Alan Cole for an amazing conversation. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Alan's work and his music through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Don't forget about our audience survey. It's at revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Fill it out. You'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. Now, the survey closes at the end of the month, so go ahead and take it today. Speaking of today, our holiday gift guide is now up. So while you're at the website taking the survey, hop on over and check out that gift guide. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. I'm pretty sure you'll find something that you like. Big thanks to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider for entrepreneurs and small businesses, and they also support the design community. It's free to try, so what do you have to lose? Check them out at MailChimp.com. I think you'll also really enjoy that. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code NIA, that's N-I-A. NIA, of course, is Swahili for purpose, and it's also one of the seven principles of Kwanzaa, so you just learned a little bit of trivia there. Lastly, there is Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators around the globe. If you're listening to this episode on a Monday, then guess what? You can head over to Creative Market and pick up some dope free goods. Everyone likes free, so go to creativemarket.com and claim your goodies. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by yours truly. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, They See Me Growing, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Leave a rating and a review. It not only really helps the show and really helps get new listeners to the show, but I'll even read your review right here on the show, so that's a little added bonus for you. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and let us know. Leave a tip in our tip jar, sponsor an upcoming episode, or join at the $5 fist bump level to show your ongoing support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.